0: Hello and welcome to episode 179 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am the platforming prodigy, I am Mark Robinson, and this week Dave Ryan is the one that is away on assignment. But don't worry, never fear. Here, Mr. Consistency, the Roman Reigns of audio, Jack Lazel is here to help me steer this ship. Jack, how are you? <laughs> Do you think it's going to be like the real Roman Reigns, where the fact that I show up every week, people are just going to get sick of me eventually? Uh, well, currently, the way Roman Reigns works is he shows up for the last two minutes of a match and takes the, the spoils, so... Um the way this would work is you would show up for the last two minutes of the podcast while I sit here for an hour and a half by myself.
1: I was going to say, do you want to do like a, a feature that podcast
0: by yourself? And then I'd just turn up at the end like Captain
1: Wacky, like <laughs> Jack.
0: Uh, I'd rather you were here because this wouldn't be the most um, invigorating show if I was doing this on my own.
1: Ah, oh, you don't know that. You've never done it before. Imagine the freedom of expression. Imagine all of a sudden it's like Mark's like, I don't need those other two. No, I don't no, need no. Dave.
0: It sounds like a terrible idea. I don't Honestly. need Jack. I don't need them to talk about Metal Gear Solid incessantly. I don't need that. That is true. But I also don't want to sit here for an hour and a half and talk about Cuphead because I've you know spent enough time in the past two, three years to do that. How's uh, that Jack- no-hit run on Cuphead coming on the old they, YouTubes? I kind of got distracted by about 85 games that decided to come out between then and now. Uh, actually, I got distracted more than anything else at the time with Final Fantasy VIII because uh, I got about i f th- I'd say about a third of the way through and then I just committed myself to I will finish this fucking game however much I'm not enjoying bits of it. So uh yeah, blame blame FF8 for that and you know, many other sins of the world.
1: I mean when you were playing FF eight, I should have played Cuphead, because that should have been the compromise, right? <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and we I... would have seen which one of the two of us was more miserable by the end. Well I was gonna say we we'll see which of us which one of us manages to finish it first. Oh. I mean Cuphead, in theory, you can finish in two to three hours, but in reality, it's, yeah. <laughs> the key term there is in theory. <laughs> I mean,
1: I I would have to put like a net outside my windows so that every time I threw my switch out of the window, it didn't break. Yeah, Because uh, yeah. I feel you like didn't... that's the level of cuphead frustration I would get.
0: You'd be getting some real flashbacks to ssx3 on uh certain certain lines
1: yeah i was gonna say man that uh those those downhill jams where you have gotta get all the points and every end of every level there's that times 10 multiplier and you're like this could make or break my run and you miss it and you crater out and you just want to i don't know just heave everything like the entire room and then just be sat there in a in a puddle of, of failure. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. those are the SSX feels. Let's not go back
0: there. How uh, how was your week? How, how have you been?
1: Yeah, pretty reasonable to be honest. Um, football is back. That's a that's a thing. Uh, going to the cinema is back in my life now. I, I I've I've racked up my second movie, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, and yeah, I I would say things feel like they're starting to return to normal, but. Um, you know, without just without
0: wanna... you to go into a second lockdown
1: <laughs> without want to dwell on uh, the, <laughs> the UK climate too much and obviously want to be a, a distraction from all of the wackiness of all of that situation yeah the second lockdown does look evident but that's fine because you know what my copy of Mario All-Stars arrived this morning so who needs outside like I don't I absolutely don't I mean how are you doing sir what's going down with you
0: pretty good i went around the ring of kerry last weekend and um did you see alert, michael fassbender i did not see michael fassbender no but uh shock of all shocks that part of the world is quite quite beautiful and uh it's i mean ireland's a pretty small country so you can get around certain parts of it like pretty quickly and the ring of kerry itself you can drive in about you could probably drive it from one from kind of like, you start in Kalani, which is sort of the central hub, and you go round in a circle, and you can get from Kalani to Kalani in probably, I'd say, three to four hours, but, you know, you need to spend a lot more time to stop and take in, like, you go through a national park, you have different towns you want to stop through, and different points where you're just looking over the Atlantic Sea, and you just want to, you know, take in the sights and everything. Um, but one of my more favorite holidays I've ever had, really, um, because the drive, because I hate driving. Like, I, I was talking to Maria about this uh, as we was going through, and, you know, you've been in a car with me, and I can't remember, I don't remember what I was we like. We drove when to was, Newcastle once, dude. <laughs> and this is what I was thinking. Like, we drove to Newcastle, and I was saying to Maria, like, I hate driving, but I specifically hate driving when I have to go in a very long line for a very long time. And the Ring of Kerry is nothing like a straight line. It's fucking. Like, it's part of the Wild Atlantic Way, and anyone that knows that, you know, uh, fifty kilometres is is a very long fifty kilometres because it's all winding turns and narrow roads and all this kind of stuff. And I I very much enjoy driving in that environment. It's I'm like the world's slowest rally car driver, but it's fun, and I I, I like driving in that sort of environment. Whereas the straight you get- lines.
1: Flashbacks to Colin McCrae when you were whipping around those, like we, <laughs> Maria had like a list of instructions that
0: was like crest, left, four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I should have got Maria to do that. So, missed a the trick there. But the thing is, you can't fucking do that with uh with the uh, the M1. It's just like go forward, four hundred kilometer uh, kilometers or whatever. It's just, it's just not that. It's just I. It's really fucking tedious no matter how many podcasts or like however much music i have it's just a tedious thing to do hey i was there entertaining you you are, and, you know, that is as entertaining as it is for however long until <laughs> I just start to lose my patience. Because I will, because I hate driving in a long line for a really long time. Six and a half minutes later. There you go. Uh, but, yeah, Kerry, that part of the world is gorgeous. And, uh, honestly, I could see myself doing that every year because it's, yeah. And it's something that I want to get, like, you, and Nina and other friends to come and do with me because it's just... It's just a really chilled out part of the world, and the food is excellent, uh, the people are lovely. I, I know you've seen, like, dumb parts of the west of Ireland, but I, I don't know exactly your experiences.
1: Pretty much all of it, mate, to be honest. That's why, when, when it comes to Ireland, west coast is very much the best coast for me. <laughs> um, I I love it. Um, so just above the Ring of Kerry is all of the um, County Clare up the banner. Um just the Burren and um, the Cliffs of Moa and stuff. Look, And then like right up to the north, you've got Galway Bay. And there's an amazing, <laughs> it's become a bit touristy like the last time I went there, but there's an amazing like uh, sort of gastro gastropubby fish restaurant um, just on the like the very edge of, of Clare overlooking Galway Bay called Monk's where they do like this amazing seafood chowder um it's just yeah awesome uh so that whole area of island is 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 quite familiar to me and yeah it's, and i will it's all say, beautiful.
0: i i've never been a massive fish uh food person but i swear to god all <laughs> i, I so to wish eat...
1: that was the end of that sentence yeah i've <laughs> never been a massive fish
0: <laughs> <laughs> this would be technically true but seriously all i wanted to eat while i was in kerry was just the fish like it's just the food is incredible there um and you know i had hake one day that was just fucking done to perfection i had uh, like tempura battered prawns that were the best i've ever had uh, just yeah in general the food is because uh, they have like your typical pub gastro type food uh, and that is kind of by and large what you should expect if you go there but i mean you know everywhere i went there was fish and chips but it was the best fish and chips i've ever had so yeah uh, it... three four days of that i can work with
1: did it, it it was so freshly out of the ocean the food they serve there like it's still wet um so everything is just super fresh and, and lovely but uh yes i you wouldn't need to ask me twice to to go back to the to the west coast of ireland at some point in my life and i would recommend anyone else uh who likes just green like it's just miles and miles of like green fields and like you know those those fences that have been made out of like slabs of stone and we probably
0: been there for like a few hundred years kind of just driving through those kind of fields yeah but the thing is as well is you're never that far from like the next town so even if you're you know you want to you don't want to spend too long out in the fucking wilderness or whatever you're only half an hour drive before you're in the next town anyway so it's just yeah i really like um the, the ring of Kerry. and we did do the dingle peninsula as well actually in a day and uh yeah just very much like it very much uh yeah, Something that I want to do again. Keep, um, keep going
1: north. Go to the LWKs. Go to the Aran Islands. <laughs> I well. we,
0: we did the Aran Islands. We, we went oh, to nice. Galway a couple of months ago and we did the Aran Islands. Yeah, we cycled around that. And uh, do you know the best thing about
1: Kerry is you're never too far away from a uh, friend of the show, Barry Murphy, at the Barry Lad on this Twitter. Is,
0: this is very true.
1: He's right there in Limerick, which is like the transitional phase between uh, Claire and Kerry.
0: I actually messaged him um, once upon a time because I was going I was getting the train um, where the hell was I going to? Jeez, oh, where was I? Going? I think I was going to Limerick or no no I was going to Clare um, and I had to go through Limerick Junction to get to Clare and uh, I got to Limerick Junction which is is a station that basically serves as like a kind of connection point between like four different lines. And I got there and I realised that it's just, it's a fucking barren wasteland. There's, there's nothing there. Um, it's not actually
1: it's... in the centre of Limerick at no, all. Not,
0: no, 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 no. Um, like there is actually just like Limerick Station, which is in Limerick City. But the problem I realised is that my train was going to be late. And I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? And as I got there, the, the, train thankfully was there but i'd message barry's like hey barry if my train is late like how does limerick junction work will my train be there do i have to wait for four hours he's like no you'd be grand. like the the trains wait it's if you are connect getting to a connecting train that train will wait for you to come in so uh, i will say that by and large um i this is not a fucking uh show about the public transport in ireland but the, (laughs) the trains the trains in ireland by and large i've never had any issues with compared to the horror show that is every other train I've ever gotten in England Uh, and I'm sure you can attest to that on your (laughs) daily commute.
1: Well it's pretty I mean literally the only good thing that we did for Ireland was lay those train tracks right (laughs) everything else (laughs) everything else everything else anyone English ever did in Ireland is probably awful and not worth speaking about but we did we did bring the trains there and uh, yeah it it is a pretty efficient transport system but uh, yeah I I mean speaking of trains uh, to segue it that you know, I have actually in the last few weeks caught a couple of trains, Mark, and uh, and started going back this, to. This is a loose
0: segue, but and go back to it.
1: the movies via train because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, I was just wondering how many people that we lost with the uh,
0: with the Irish public transport bans. Um, but yeah, right. like... this is why we have timestamps now. Ah, and that's... this is why I never start the timestamps until like the first fifteen minutes are done, where we get the nonsense out of the way. Yeah, gotta love that nonsense. Tactical timestamp. Yeah,
1: it's weird though being on trains at the moment. It's kind of like a like no one wants to go near each other. Like everyone sort of mistrusts each other. Everyone's like looking and naturally leaving spaces and gaps and seating But yeah, uh, the the good thing about uh, me going to the movies is there's two stops away on the train though, which is pretty awesome. But yeah, I uh, I saw the New Mutants. Mark, how much do you know about this film? Have heard about this film? Anything? I...
0: I I know that this film is in, has been in um, purgatory for, like, the last two years. Um, and that it's, you know, been one of those kind of production hell-type films. Outside of that, I don't know too much other than it's, it's got a slight horror twist vibe to it that is not, um, like, typical for the, the X-Men universe, I guess, of films. Um, though, you know, Logan was obviously R-rated and a lot more violent than the... The, the typical X Men films. Outside of that though, I haven't really paid too much attention. I mean I really kind of fall fell off the the X Men films. Um as great as Logan was, you know, Apocalypse was pretty bang average and dark phoenix we've already discussed recently as being (laughs) fucking atrocious (laughs) so i yeah i haven't really had that much interest in in the new mutants but tell all what do you think of it she
1: flies away at the end as a giant phoenix in the sky
0: oh sorry i was still
1: running uh yeah so the new mutants is (laughs) i really liked it
0: i mean yeah how much of it is just because you like the fact that you're back in the cinema
1: uh, I mean, that does play a part and it's also nice to watch a film that doesn't uh, make me literally stare intently at the screen for every second like Tenet did. Like, you know, when you're in the movies and sometimes you can just kick back and kind of enjoy something, not necessarily switch your brain off, but like passively be part of the movie watching process, whereas Tenet was very much an active brain type of film. Uh, whereas, yeah, this I could just just kick back and enjoy it and... I yeah so I mean like I say really liked it I, I'm gonna say that it's like a sort of seven seven and a half out of ten movie which given that my expectations were pretty much non-existent um, I think maybe that contributed probably to the good feeling about it but you're spot on about the the horror twist so um, it's yeah it's, it's Blue Hunt who plays um, Danny Moonstar and you kind of start off with her at the beginning of the movie and there's this sort of unknown and unseeable force kind of chasing her through the woods, which is pretty terrifying. In fact, I compare the start of the movie to the start of the first Last of Us game where you know there's something happening explosions going all around and you know that you know this a, a father ha- figure has scooped up his daughter and is is running kind of away from whatever this is coming and then the next thing you know she wakes up in this institute um and that's where you get all the other characters so you've got Maisie Williams who plays um Rainey Sinclair, Sinclair uh, the Joy as Ileana Rasputin which is like I mean, I know that's the fucking comic book character name, but it's <laughs> so, you know that I'm just gonna pick two extremely Russian things and and make them the character name. probably wouldn't fly too much now uh Sam Guthrie played by Charlie Heaton and uh Henry Zaga as uh Roberto de costa who's uh, a Brazilian housemate, and these five are in this institute uh and the institute is uh you don't really. You're not really given a lot, yeah. So Dr. Cecilia Reyes, um, or Alice, uh, played by Alice Barga, she's kind of in charge of the whole operation, and you know she's she's telling Danny not to freak out and that there's you know this is sort of for her own protection, and you know kind of tells her about mutants and has she heard of mutants because she grew up on an Indian reservation, so in terms of contact with the outside world, there probably wasn't as much for her. But did she knew about mutants and she knew enough? Uh, to understand kind of what was happening. Uh, and at first it does just seem like that sort of, you know, they're trying to present it similar to Professor X's school, but um, obviously a bit more of an extreme measure uh, than, than having the freedoms that they'd have in, in Professor X's, you know, Academy for the the gifted or whatever. Um, so the sinister elements are there at first, but then it almost makes you let your guard down because you start, knowing the characters and you start understanding them and they interact really well together uh particularly Maisie Williams uh and Danny form like uh, uh, their characters form a, a real tight relationship um and like that becomes a little bit of a romance and, and Maisie Williams I I think is probably I mean not even probably she's like head and shoulders the star of this movie she's she's absolutely fantastic she's she just plays one of these characters that you just want to root for. She's like super sympathetic and, you know, funny and intelligent. And yeah, just a a good influence on Danny. And it's only maybe halfway through the movie, you start getting this creeping sense of things not being right. Characters start having like twisted visions and weird foresight and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, And when that goes off, like it, it culminates really nicely. And then there's like a big, a bit of a twist as to like what the origin um of this school is for and the company behind it and the people behind it and whether their intentions are good or not and yeah it's just a nice little enclosed sort of teen horror movie with a little bit of the sort of supernatural comic booky twist thrown in but it's a sort of film like if you're a teenager you see this and i think you you really dig it like you really like it and I was expecting not a lot. I mean, like you say, there was a lot of development hell. It's been struggling to come out. And I think, like, people were burned out from X-Men. So I saw like, had 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I do think that's a bit harsh. Like, I do think it's better than, uh, say, like, a 33% positive reviews. Uh, I just think people have kind of had enough. But generally... It might go down as one of those things, Mark, that kind of gets lost in time. You know, like where well, you have a cool movie uh, with with a certain actor that kind of goes under the radar or or isn't really remembered as much. So, me and uh, me and Dave actually were talking about Easy A, the Emma Stone movie. Yeah. Um. And we're just saying like that had its 10th anniversary this year, which, <laughs> or like, sorry, this week, which absolutely blew my mind but like when people think of Emma Stone movies like that that's kind of one that flew under the radar I don't and know, that's you, the one I think of first I mean there you go but that that probably proves my point if anything else Mark because you know you tend to have like a bit more of an esoteric taste and stuff but there, like well yeah I yeah I think this is a sort of film that it, it, the, the cool thing about EZA is I watched that movie and it kind of feels like a timeless team movie because I rewatched it again this week. And the cool thing about this is that because of the location, because of the way that it's presented, there's no real references to the time frame or the period that you're in. Like no one has phones, not, like none of this really is is going on. Um, and It's all kind of set the vast majority of it in the grounds of this of this uh mansion type situation that they're in that's like a sort of it looks like an old mental asylum slash hospital uh but like a, just a tiny bit nicer than that with a chapel and um, so it has that sort of timeless feel that if you're a teenager and you know like in 10 years 20 years time and you're rummaging through the back catalog of say a Maisie Williams or, or somebody you, you find this movie and it, it's it'll be a nice surprise because it is a pretty cool film. Um, and I feel like it's not really going to get much play. Like, I don't know when the next time I'll ever watch it is maybe some time in the distant future or
0: whatever, but um, I, I am concerned that this film in general is going to bomb like hell. Cause it's, you know, apart from the fact that obviously uh, I can't imagine people are going out in droves to go to the cinema and the fact that the capacity is limited in the way it is. And also just because, uh, you know, the, the X-Men films are in a weird place at the moment where I just I don't think as you were saying like that there, there's a lot of, of interest in it I, I just I don't see it doing particularly well at the box office and it hasn't so far it's made just a shade under 30 million
1: dollars but that like you say that's a combination of a lot of factors um but that's why I would recommend this I mean I don't necessarily think that like if you're a not feeling particularly comfortable about going back to the cinema yet totally get that be like I don't wanna chuck down like ten, 10 quid on this movie that I'm not really giving that much of a shit about. Fair enough. But you know, when this inevitably becomes available on a Amazon or a Netflix or a Disney Plus um or whatever, I check this film out because I, I actually enjoyed it. Uh and if nothing just for the the performance of Maisie Williams and um yeah like the, the relationship that she that she kind of forms with um with Blue Hunt's Danny
0: in this is, is pretty cool as well. It's like a like quite sweet, so yeah. Good movie, man. Good movie. Okay, uh, I ain't gonna spend too much time because I've been kind of watching it on and off, which is what I tend to do uh, when Maria gets uh, like transfixed into a new series. And she's been watching a ton of New Girl at the moment, and she's oh, I uh, love up it. to she's up to the start of season six. And I've been just kind of dipping in in and out of it while like playing whatever because you know we're in the same room. And I've really been enjoying it, and even though I haven't watched it from beginning to end. I do. I'm. I am very much like fixed into the characters, and very much like relating with the characters. And it's been really interesting to watch because we we start watching Friends again, and we're about four seasons into that. And they're not, you know, they're not the same shows, but it's really inter- interesting to watch like a show from the '90s and watch a show from like the last ten years or so in terms of like the writing, the characters, and the general production, because uh, like you know, watching Friends. I've realized that it's still a great show and I very much enjoy it, but there is kind of a caricature to the characters where they really, you know, like, okay, Joey's the the dumb one and Phoebe's the weird one. And they do get some depth with some of the characters and there is progression like throughout, but I do find some of it is quite shallow uh, where, you know, I'm watching something like New Girl and these characters are all like dumb and weird in their own ways, but I, I do find them to be a lot more relatable. And I don't know if that's just because it's a, sh- a show that's been written within the last 10 years, uh, but I find, you know, someone like Schmidt who um, <laughs> like, I mean, for a start, uh, Max Greenfield is, is a tremendous actor and he like plays the characters so fucking incredibly well. He's but- just
1: got like a real good handle on douchebags yeah uh, yeah like so he turns up halfway through the big short as like as sort of dickhead miami realtor that um steve carell's guys go down there to see what's going on with like the real estate market and you know he's just talking about how he will give out mortgages to anyone just so he can get commissions and stuff like that and he's just like complete slimy prick and i'm like man like max
0: greenfield just gets typecast big time <laughs> But at the same time, you know, the way that he prepares everything with CeCe in the wedding and um, how he's trying to get uh, CeCe's mum to come and how he's, you know, like calling her every Monday for the last year to, like, prove how much he loves CeCe and everything with that. It's just, it's, it's so incredibly just, it's wonderful to watch and it plays out so well. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's a comedy sitcom, but it is very funny as well. Uh, and, yeah, I've just... Like again, I've not been watching it from beginning to end. I've, I kind of dip in for a few episodes when I've been playing Tony Hawk's or whatever. But uh, but it's it's very good. And I hadn't spent too much time watching Zoe Deschanel as well. And I know that there's there's like a typecast of that type of kind of manic pixie character, and she is like the the kind of what you put up to like this is the the most extreme example of that. But she's still a very likable. She's still very. Um, very funny and very, like, personable, uh, and and I can't think of people, many actresses that fit that role as Jess as well as she would do. Yeah. Um, do you know, so, so yeah. the thing
1: I really, because I, like you said about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, like, that just sparked off in my head. The thing I like about her in this is that because it is Zoe Deschanel and she brings that kind of feel to something, what I like about New Girl is that you could see her character is positioned that way as this like school teacher with like the smile and the big eyes and the crazy hair and the slightly offbeat sense of humor. But the good thing about it is you see the reality of her as a character. And it's like, that's why that sort of weird, uncomfortable manic pixie dream girl thing um, of like guys putting these like, you know, women who are meant to sort of add interest into their life on a pedestal. Like, She's shown for like all of her impe- um, like imperfections and flaws, but in a really good way, in a way that makes her feel like a rounded human being, in a way that maybe Zoe Deschanel hasn't really up to that point got to do. Um, so the thing that I love about Jess the most is that she has all of those characteristics yet yeah, completely defies that by being a really well-rounded character and a really interesting person in the show so yeah i think her and nick in particular obviously they kind of position to be like romantic leads of the show but they're just you know like a sort of manic pixie dream girl and a kind of down and out on his luck kind of guy who runs a bar and yet there's so much more to them that that they get to really they get to really play with and yeah i think there's just so many brilliant performances in this show that all of the characters are just by maybe like halfway through series two everyone's got it down and it just runs like clockwork and it's such an easy watch like you were saying
0: yeah and i think there's the thing like across the, the board the cast like as you say like they have their characters down and and everyone uh, just gives really solid performances across the board. So yeah, God, I love uh, Winston so much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I just I just love it. He like he's always trying to be cool, and he just he
0: just kind he's of just isn't. Not. He's just not. He's not in the slightest.
1: Like his whole thing about you know wanting to be a basketball player so much, but he can only make it in like the Latvian league, <laughs> and he's had to come back to America, kind of tail between his legs, with just no idea what to do. Yeah, I uh, there's just real. Yeah, it's just a real warm fuzzy kind of show to watch but at the same time not like too cutesy just it has enough of a reality about you know people like you say compare it to friends because friends is about a bunch of people in their 20s who have you know like no fucking clue where their life is going and just you know the the way that they sort of interact with each other is the basis and new girl is very similar to that um except there's no character as kind of dislikable as Ross is
0: in the first few series of friends so yeah yeah um, let's move on to what we've been playing, and so today, uh, at the time of this recording was the release of Mario All Stars, and I haven't got my copy yet, but I've seen the reviews across the board, and I've watched, the, uh, read a bunch of different reviews. Uh, the Digital Foundry one was was the most interesting for me because, you know, I know what these games are. I've played them before, but what I was curious about was some of the, the te- technical aspects of like, you know, are these ports, are they remasters, what's the deal with them uh, and yeah, I mean, we I, I can talk a little bit about those factors even though I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but uh, overall, I mean, how many hours have you put in so far today, Jack?
1: Uh, just about two, two and a half. Um, most of that has been on Super Mario 64, <laughs> predictably. Okay. Uh, What's
0: the? How, how does it like load up when you start the game? Does it just give you, you know, which of these do you want to play, and you just jump in and it loads up that game? Yeah, pretty
1: much. You just get a right. standard screen, and it's got six options on there. So the three games, and then the three soundtracks. Which the first time I loaded up the game, I was like, oh, yes! <laughs> I just started like clicking through all of the music from uh, for like 64 and Galaxy. And I, I, I don't know why, but the music from Sunshine doesn't stick in my head nearly as much as, as those two. But yeah. So like, you know, you just I remember like I was on a, a call for for work earlier and I just put the Dia Dia docs music on in the background. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm feeling this. This is making me feel calmer about my work call right now. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty cool. And um, so then, yeah, obviously to the left, you're picking the, which of the three games you want to play just takes you straight into it um and yeah like i say the majority of my time so far with mario 64 it looks very very shiny (laughs) i know that probably sounds like a weird thing to say but seriously like every single pixel and everything is just a smooth like shiny kind of perfect sheen like the colors
0: just smack you in the face immediately yeah i know they've they've like cleaned up 64 they, it, it's not a, a remaster by any means but um from looking at side-by-side comparisons with the original 64 uh, you know everything is a little bit cleaner everything's a little bit bolder um i i have some issues and reservations for a start the fact that the game is in 4x3 i, I find very surprising um that <sighs> yeah but it what do they do to... well <sighs> I don't know the the fact that Sunshine is in sixteen by nine. Like I, I feel that, and we've seen um, like you know unofficial ROM hacks that have stretched out sixty four to sixteen by nine. You know it is possible, and if people who aren't do not own the game are able to do it, you'd like to think that Nintendo could spend the time to just fucking do that and be done with it so um what does it look like you know does it just have like a border with with a a mario background either side you know how does it present it (laughs) no i think that would
1: uh i think if there was a mario background or like a mario sort of frame all around it i think (laughs) it would turn me off big time uh it would annoy you know like some twitch streamers who have like too much stuff going on in yeah. the border around their stream.
0: Yeah. Uh, if Jeff got, Gertzman like, being one of them. Yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I, he's I, just a fucking mess, but I love it.
1: I feel like Jeff Gertzman's doing that on purpose yeah, to kind of, be obnoxious but yes. you know there are the people that just genuinely are obnoxious with it yeah so that would yeah, yeah. that would be a massive turn off for me if I had to sit and you know like there was a sort of dancing toad in one corner and like Waluigi at the top going I wasn't in any of these games like I, I think uh the, the the black box around it it didn't bug me too much and I've only ever really played the game in 4.3 so it didn't feel any different to me really
0: I, I guess. I just think that, you know, when I go to play it and I've got my nice big wide monitor here, it, it'll be the first time that I've played it on a screen of that nature. So, um, yeah, uh, you know.
1: But it looks incredible, it, man. Honestly, like sure, you'll see sure. it on in that, ter- that display. It looks,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm sure in terms of like it all being cleaned up, it's going to look good still. And I know that they... Uh, redrew all of like the, the UI and stuff and that's a lot cleaner and they've done that across all three games. And I was seeing some comparisons with Sunshine where I didn't realize it but the in the original game the, the UI on the screen for Sunshine takes up like half the fucking screen. Yep. Uh, and they've they've like pushed out into the corners. So there's some little touches like that that I'm glad I'm I'm very happy that they've done that. Um, I guess the only other thing that I'm going to find weird when I go to Play64 is the fact, and this is going to be for all three games, is the fact that it's not dual stick. And, and, you know, it's fine when you have, like, the N64 controller and you just have the one stick, but it's going to be really weird holding, like, my Pro Controller and I can't change the camera while moving Mario at the same time. Yeah. It... Does, it, does it feel jarring? Yeah, the camera thing is
1: my only really issue with it so far. Like, I'm not really that used to you know, having to move the camera around like that. I think you can set it so you can move the camera with the R button, Um, which I don't know how, you know, uh, naturally, obviously, with the L button as the trigger, uh, that hasn't been any issue for me at all. Like, it just, it feels normal to use that as the, you know, because that's the one that you're using on the back of a, a 64 controller if you're holding the middle sort of bit of the Trident, as it were. Um, So, yeah, I, I think... Maybe when i got to get to grips with it and get used to it a bit more, then it, it might feel more natural. But it's probably the only complaint I have so far. And just, you know, the game is the game's the game, isn't it? Like, I've, I've played it loads of times and I still Mario love 64.
0: it. Mario 64, you might have heard of it.
1: I, I still love it. And uh, I think I... I think it's always going to be a game that I go back to every year or two during my life, and and just have a bit of a play. Not not necessarily even all the way through, but just it just feels so much fun to play. It's amazing that something that crafted really really well just completely stand the test of time. And like I can imagine a kid of like, you know, say eight or nine now who played Mario Odyssey, got all the moons, absolutely had a, a ball with that game. Uh, and these come out I can imagine that they get on board with this because it it really it does feel like a similar experience just obviously at much lower fidelity but yeah uh, so far enjoying it Took, went into sunshine a little bit just had a look around um, just a bit of a run around and yeah didn't do a lot but I, I gotta say that does look very good as well and uh, I haven't touched Galaxy just because I feel like uh, the Wii version of Galaxy, it, it's probably not going to be that much different. Like, it, it, it that game looked great anyway. Uh, that game looked really, really cool. So uh, even if it's just cleaned up a tiny bit, it probably won't be hugely noticeable to, to my untrained eyes. But, um, yeah.
0: It's- See, Galaxy is the one I'm going to go to first because I only played through it once. And it's the one that I just... I- I remember bits of it and I remember bits of the soundtrack and the, the the feeling of like Mario shooting in the air and being in space and but I just I can't connect with it enough where I get the like nostalgic tinge that I get with sunshine or definitely with 64 so I know I'm going to be starting with Galaxy first because I just I need to dive back into that world and just you know people talk about galaxy being the best mario 3d platformer and and i have to go back in and see for myself if that is true um so that will be that'll be the one i start with yeah which might be the wrong way of doing it because it's probably going to be very weird to go from that back down to 64. <laughs> yeah
1: i never finished galaxy as well so i really do owe it to myself to, to to play through it i mean i wish i could kind of manage to move my save over from my, my wii somehow but i, don't, I definitely don't I'm think happy, that's possible i'm happy
0: just to start again but and yeah i think the I'll thing start is again. as well is is i i can't remember which uh song from the soundtrack of galaxy I threw one but just I, I all i do remember is that that soundtrack like moved me you know on an emotional oh, level it's like, amazing the orchestral the orchestral soundtrack for that game is it yeah i i don't think that soundtrack gets the love and the reverence that it should and i'm really looking forward to going back in with, like, these fucking shiny new headphones I have and just blasting that soundtrack on. Uh, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And unfortunately, I don't have my copy till tomorrow, but um, hopefully by this time next week, I'll have some thoughts on it. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll have a lot more to say by then as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I probably would have, like, broke the back of the bulk of 64. Like, I... (laughs) i don't know like because i've done it so many times i don't know if i'm asked getting the 120 (laughs) stars and i think i've
0: done it maybe like twice but you know some of the stars towards the end on the the last two levels with the clock and the rainbow uh, are they take just a little bit too long to be faffing around
1: with yeah or like the last is it the last platform level before the, like the final face off with bowser the red coins on there are just the red coins and that can get tay fuck they just disgust me but yeah. i know i've done it before oh yeah of
0: course definitely
1: you know like when you watch a dude speed run it and you're like this what how <laughs>
0: yeah but you want to see yoshi on top of the castle so you, uh, yeah you exactly
1: it. i want to go up there and get get my cake exactly uh, I always forget, like, every time I open Mario sixty four, I'm like, the reason that he went to the house in the first place was you know, Princess Peach just sent him a letter saying, Hello Mario, come and have a slice of cake. Wow. Um
0: So like basically what I'm saying is Portal fucking ripped off this game now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've got two things to talk about this week. The first one won't take too long because a lot of what it is, you know, you can see pretty much within the first 10 seconds of gameplay. Uh, Hotshot Racing is very much a love letter to 90s arcade racers like Virtua Racer or uh, Daytona. It's uh, it's like a low-poly arcade racing game. Um, But, you know, it's in 2020, so it's a lot cleaner, a lot crisper, the production value across the board. Uh, it's just it's just a, a lot nicer to look at, and it fills and plays and and you know tonally it just it all fits very much within that early to mid nineties aesthetic, and from that aspect uh, I got to say the game fucking nails it. You know the soundtrack, um, the uh, the uh, vocal um, uh, vocal dialogue that's in there it all fits you know within that era, um, and it absolutely nails that. My problem that I have is that while as a racer, it's perfectly solid. It's you know it hits the fundamentals uh, on a, on a basic level. Um, it uses the mechanic that you know as you're driving around, um, it very much relies on using the drift feature. Uh, and as you drift, it uh, charges up a boost, and you have four meters of a boost that you can use. So you know you drift in the corners, and then you boost in the straights, and that all works absolutely fine. My issue that I have of it is that you tend to find races go into one of two fields where you've either got the races where just if you get out in front and you can make your way you know if you're driving well you can get to a point where you might lap the opposition or at least you'll be you know some way out in front because you just you're driving really really well or you have the races where it doesn't matter how well that you're driving while you're in front the 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 mechanics of the game work in a way that you know whoever's behind you is just a little bit faster than you uh, and when they go in front you then become a little bit faster than them so it that's like how um, much...
1: is it like ru- they call it rubber banding right where you just yeah. keep getting latched onto it yeah and that kind so of doesn't it... reward gameplay so no, i'm not doesn't. a big fan of that
0: it doesn't and it didn't matter how much i like how good my driving was and i like to think i'm relatively good at least like, at like arcade racing games. And Kerry, um, of course, and Kerry, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but however good I was doing, however like much I was nailing, drifting around the corners and blasting and boosting on the straights, every single race ended the same, where there was you know half a second difference between me and like the f- my four opponents behind me. And in one way, yeah, sure, it's exciting where you know it comes down to to the final straight every single time. But on the other side, you just don't feel rewarded because that you, the way you're racing is is actually paying off at all because it's one thing in uh like a game like a mario kart where you might get some distance out in front but then you get you know wallets by a blue shell whatever but you know you can see that you're getting some distance on whoever's in second place because you're driving really well you just then have to be tactical with like how you use green shells or bananas or whatever but there's you know an extra level of tactics that you can use to keep your distance in front um it just it just doesn't exist in this game and while I do appreciate the general tone and the aesthetics of it that one key thing is just kind of making me like I, I I played it for about an hour or two the other day but I just don't have that like I, I want to check out all the tracks because the the, the tracks are designed very well and um, you know like everything that goes on around there like this is a very pleasant game to look at and the soundtrack is you know again fits within that tone. But just the actual playing of it, it's not really doing it for me. And that kind of sucks because I was really looking forward to spending a good few hours with it. But just, yeah, that, that rubber burning feature is... Uh, it's leaving a cell taste in my mouth, I have to say.
1: So I know there's a takedown mode on it as well because um, I was reading a review and they were saying, you know, that it borrows a bit from and burnout where it's like cops and robbers and you, you have to like hunt down... Um, yeah, I saw a cars. few modes.
0: I haven't looked into any of them yet. Um, I guess I should check those out as well to see what they're like, but I haven't checked them out yet.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, when anything invokes burnout, uh, my my <laughs> yeah. eyebrow raises like Carlo Ancelotti. Um, just aside from my the rest of my face. So yeah, I, I you have to let me know if there's any sort of validity to the comparisons right. to burnout.
0: I, I will check out uh, that mode at least and let you know. Um, the other thing I've been playing that has taken me by surprise is a game called Paradise Killer, and you're gonna have to strap yourself for this one because trying to explain the the plot of this game is is a challenge in itself. So, Paradise Killer is a uh, murder mystery detective whodunit game, and it's very much like a kind of Phoenix riot, if you if you've ever played any of those games. Um, sure, it is. The thing that makes it different is that it's not like a kind of linear story, it's actually like an open-world exploration game that is bolted onto the side of the fact that it's a a murder-mystery game. And you play a character called Lady Love Dies, and I have to say that all the names in this game are fucking incredible. Uh, like, just whoever, whoever wrote this game, they fucking wrote this game, right? Um, yeah, so you play as Lady Love Dies, who is a detective. Uh, And she uh, has been locked away in exile for three million days uh, because she managed to get herself uh, seduced by a demon who she fell into like a relationship with. um, And then that was, you know, not allowed. So she got placed into exile.
1: Look, it happens, you know, it happens. happens. You're in a bar. Someone hits on you. It's a demon. We've all been there. We just got to move on
0: exactly um but she is like she was the the investigation freak of the island um but you know because she's, she's been locked away that how it is now <laughs> is that
1: what they call detectives in this game investigation freaks she gets,
0: she gets called she gets called a freak a lot uh, as as you'll see why um so you you're on this island called paradise and it's overseen by the syndicate which is a, a council a council sorry of um these very highly uh, highly colorful characters who exist to make paradise which is this perfect island Uh, and they've had 24 attempts at doing this but the problem is is uh, there's always at some point the island starts to go a bit awry demons invade the whole place needs to be shut down. They have to murder all of the civiliz- all of civilization, and they have to restart again by going to the next island that that's, they create.
1: That's kind of yeah. So like the that's a sort of Thanos idea of
0: just like nah, this reality. I, I'm just going to break it down and make my new one in my own image. Kinda. And and they've been trying to hit perfection. They've been trying to hit paradise. So they're coming up to the eve of uh, going from the twenty fourth island to the twenty fifth island, which is. Uh, suspected or is expected will be paradise, will be the perfect island. But unfortunately, the entirety of the syndicate, the council have been murdered. And so you, as Lady dies have been brought out of exile because you need to figure out what the fuck has happened, how did this happen? Because while the council were murdered um, and, and until this has been resolved and whoever it has been charged and is found guilty, uh, the, the transfer to, to uh, Island 25 can, cannot happen. So it's up to you to figure out what has happened. The core kind of mechanics of the game has you basically exploring this three D island, uh, which is pretty pretty large in size. To go and talk to all of these different characters, who you know, there's the Doctor, who's called Doctor Doom Jazz, who's this Scottish guy with mechanical arms and a pink uh, uh, mohawk. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm loving this this game already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you have uh, Akiko, who is like the Grand Supreme uh, Army General, uh, who looks over after the Marshals, who is uh, Romanian and swears a lot in Romanian. That I had to get Maria to like translate for me, and she's like, "Is she really saying this stuff in a game? Because she is fucking going for it. She's very aggressive." That is um, incredibly fortunate to have a Romanian. <laughs> a I know a right? Romanian know, right? partner know, right? that you could just yeah. go. Is
1: this accurate?
0: Uh, Who else have you got on this fucking thing? You've got uh, Sam. I can't Sam Daybreak is his name who uh, He fell in love with this person, uh, but they were like uh, warriors or enemies and she Kills him, but because he confesses his love they decide to get together But he's in this kind of stasis afterwards where he now exists as a skeleton But he's still like a a person that that lives doesn't breathe uh, and he used to be an assassin, but now he's uh, the bartender of the island and makes all these very creative whiskey drinks. It's sure, fucking, it's fucking wild. Right? I saw, I like
1: saw a, a, a like a frame of a guy called Yuri Knight who's like a secretary, oh, yeah. yes, but, but yes. basically dressed like Michael Jackson in the eighties.
0: Yeah, no one wears a shirt in this game. I should point out as well. Everyone's like everyone is has a fear of shirts, apparently um and (laughs) that would be a great a great subtitle paradise killer fear of shirts (laughs) (laughs) um his whole thing is that he was like seeking perfection in himself and so the, the suspicion is that he may have been seduced by a demon or a god that gave him like these you know new looks and new abilities or whatever the case may be but you know you're trying to figure this stuff out so you go around each of these characters and you can interrogate them, and there are different questions you can ask, and or you can like um, just have a you know shoot the shit with them. Just have a general chat, and this kind of increases your relationship with them, which then sometimes opens them up, and they might give you some more inv- information that they didn't before. And you have like a case file with all of these. Like you have the main case, which is figuring out who murdered the syndicate. you have these other cases as well that you establish along the way so you know one person might know one thing about one of these cases and they might give you a lead that you need to go and talk to this person but you might need to find a specific item that is related to this case which then like unlocks the next part of that character giving you this information and it works very seamlessly in that if you don't have the item they say hey you might need to find this item but if you do have the item lady love dies like just you know, the conversation just carries on straight away to say, oh, is it this item that you're talking about? Like, that you've been holding this whole time. So, there's never this kind of, like, weird break where the narrative is trying to catch up with the things that you've done. It just, you know, it it's very fluid and very dynamic like that. So, again, it's a very well-written game. But, yeah, it's, um, there are demons, there are gods, there's, um, lesbian and bi relationships with, uh, like a woman who has a a goat head for a head but she's like the icon of the island um there's a place called the dead zone where demons get thrown into there's murder there's just uh, this game is fucking wild all right <laughs> and every time that i think because the whole crux of it as well is that it kind of works like breath of the wild where as you start the game you can actually end the game straight away because you, there's um the person that is called judge who is the person that you go to to bring your investigation and you can des- determine like okay this is the person that i believe that murdered the syndicate i haven't done that bit yet i just know that that's how you end the game so at any point once i have enough information i can go to go and finish the game i just haven't got to that bit yet because every time i think i have all the information i think is available i'll find some area that i didn't know exists like i found fucking uh, a a a secret hatch with this person who's like some bastard child of one of the main characters which then led into like four portals to different parts of the island that i couldn't get to before and has opened up like this whole other like bit of the story that i wasn't aware of so i'm like oh right well now i and because of that as well if you hold down the the left trigger um it shows you where all the characters are and if they have like a little explanation mark next to it, it means there's like more for you like more questions you have to go and ask. So that immediately like flared up everyone, but I had to now go and ask more questions again. Uh, and the soundtrack is incredible and has soaring saxophone solos and is like up there with one of the soundtracks of the year. I mean uh, the this... whole aesthetic is
1: very eighties, so
0: that sort of sax solo oh, thing. It is basically like Miami Vice meets doom is what this game is, right? <laughs>
1: That just piqued Dave Ryan's interest if he's listening to it, this again.
0: Like, there's all this fucking stuff about the occult and, and demonology and goat heads, but it's all set on this fucking 80s paradise island. I Jack, this game is fucking wild, all right? It's. <laughs> is again, this like it, full
1: price game or is this like one no, of those? No, no,
0: no. It was a tenner on Switch. Uh, I see. I might pick this up then for a ten pounds honestly like mark robinson is like narrative driven this year in terms of the games he's enjoying and uh yeah this this is is a a narrative game done very well but it does have the exploration side to it which i'm enjoying as well um because you know i will say the one weakness the game has is that there are large parts of it where you're doing platforming to kind of like jump from like one apartment block to another and There's a couple of different abilities you can get. You can get like a double jump, you can get like a fast boost to give you like a little bit of momentum getting to that, that far to reach ledge. And this is the second game I've played this year that has decided to assign the jump button to the R trigger. And I don't know who decided at what point that we wanted to do this. Because I think I thought we'd figured out jumping like back in fucking 1985, hey. and that you just assign it to the A button or the X button, right? It doesn't need to be a fucking shoulder button. And I don't know why they decided to do it because the A, the, the a or X button doesn't have any specific feature that couldn't just have had the jump button on there. So I don't know why they decided to go with that. Uh, that is my my one thing. Like sometimes the platforming is a bit clunky; it's not particularly smooth. And The overall, like, 3D world, it's not, I would say, you know, it's not refined to a polished sheen. It is a bit patchy, but it does kind of have a charm to it. And a lot of the the geometry and the architecture is very, like, uh, brutalism in its design. Um, And I feel like some of that is part of just... I, I think I read some stuff about the developers, and they're not exactly, like, you know... 3d environmental uh, geniuses by any by any stretch of the imagination i I think they said that they kind of pulled a bunch of assets from um the the epic the unreal store um to you know just like flesh out this world a bit more so by no means is it perfect like there but you know that's only a, a small fraction of what this game is and you know i've gotten fully sucked into this world to try and figure out who the fuck murdered the syndicate and and you know you have, like, all of the characters, you find out who their alibis are, and then you have to go and try val- validate those alibis, and then you can come back to them and say, your alibi is bullshit, and then they go, no, don't know what you're talking about, and, oh, yeah, I'm really digging this game. Really, really digging this game.
1: I mean, your description of it really has me peaked on interest as
0: well. I'm not usually massive on those investigation games. Neither am I. Neither am I. But it's just because it's open world, I think means that you, it, it kind of just, it lets you go at your own pace and you're not just kind of like bogged down with with just dialogue and more dialogue and more dialogue. There's you, you can pace yourself where, okay, i want to go and talk to this person and find out more about them and ask these questions. And then when you're done with that, you can say, okay, I haven't explored this bit of the island yet, so I'm going to go over here. And there's like tons of collectibles to find and there's like a currency for the island that you need to use to like buy certain things. And, and if you want to fast travel to locations, you have to use this currency. So um, that works in a way because it kind of forces you to explore the island instead of like relying on the fast travel. Um, so yeah, they're, they're smart with the way they do that. And it's... I'd recommend it. It gets a very strong recommendation from me. Oh, I definitely check that one out then. Par- Paradise Killer, I like it. Yeah. So with that, I think it's time to move into the news, and I know that you and Dave spoke all about the Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X and all the an- announcements that came with that last week. Well, we had uh, just what two days ago. We had Sony announce the PlayStation Five, and we finally, we finally have prices for both of these consoles, or shall we say, all four of these consoles, because there are, you know, two separate consoles coming out for from both um, from both companies. Uh,
1: do you know? What? And... I wonder which company. I don't know. Do you think they both did that? separate of each other or did one company find out the other company was doing a like a different version and they were like right we both need a launch with two versions just to confuse every parent in the country no
0: no i do think they both were very much intending to have digital only versions of the consoles uh i I do think that yeah both companies are always thinking with that in mind um you know the coincidences of some of the other aspects of it, it may be purely coincidental, I'm not sure, but I do think they always just had him in mind. Um, but yeah, the naming conventions leave a lot to be desired, but that's been the case with Microsoft for a while, <laughs> while now. Yeah, that's why, I like, PlayStation 5, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, so using uh UK British pound sterling currencies, the uh digital edition will cost 359. Excuse me. While well, the standard edition will cost four hundred and forty-nine pounds, which is a lot cheaper than I expected. And I guess my first question, Jack, is: Do you think that these prices are a reflection of the Microsoft announcement a week prior?
1: Um, you can't say that they aren't because I don't really know, and I feel like the only people that would know probably wouldn't care to admit. But uh, yeah, I don't know how much. It'd be interesting to hear um, somebody, when these things come out, the people that kind of break the things apart and, you know, see all of the things that are in there and understand it and figure out, like, what the components would cost and how much it costs to manufacture this. Whether or not, like, Sony are eating a little bit of shit on this or vice versa, Microsoft, uh, in terms of how much it costs. But, yeah, you do... Once, once uh, Microsoft announced how much their console was going to cost, you just knew Sony weren't going to say it's going to be more. Like even if it was a, like a pound more, people would still point to that and go, look, that one's more expensive. So like, they had to, didn't they really? That's a price match.
0: But the other really interesting thing is the fact that the digital edition of the PS Five is a hundred and ten quid more than the Xbox Series S, and the the digital edition is the same as the the standard version, just it doesn't have the the CD drive. Whereas the the Xbox Series S is less powerful than the X, but you know. Yeah. the uh, the main thing if you can find sean
1: mcgee on twitter he will explain it to you yeah (laughs) i know Uh,
0: but i know the main thing really with the s is just the fact that it's just it's not a 4k machine that for me is just the big thing and the fact that it has a a smaller um storage space as well but i mean in the grand scheme of things you know unless you have a 4k tv and i don't um i'm not really that fussed about a lot of the specs that these consoles have you know like it's I could probably get the Xbox Series S and still have a very good time playing video games. So I am really... And obviously the other thing as well is the fact that the Xbox Series S comes with... Was it like 24 months of the Game Pass? Which is just a fucking preposterous uh, deal in terms of the value that you get for that. So I guess my first thing I want to say to you is... Now, I know that you've pre-ordered the PS5, but like looking at these four consoles and how much they're worth, do you think that like the Xbox Series S actually stands a pretty good chance of doing very, very well just because of the the economy and where we are currently with the, the current economic climate. I think that the Xbox Series S has a really good chance, hopefully without the naming conventions being an issue, I think that one has a chance of doing very well out of these four. I do, but I think there's
1: just too many unknowns at the moment to have a real good prediction. So like I am a forecaster by trade, right, like that's in my job title. Um, I honestly look at this and I think, well, due to the fact that you've got the confusion with the naming conventions and what does what in, in what section, like I think people could probably Google that. It's not kind of like, you know, in the old days where you're, like pouring pouring through like a brochure trying to figure it out like there's probably already you know 10 or 20 youtube videos that explain exactly what the difference is in either three minute or half an hour depending on like how much time i
0: haven't checked the digital foundry videos yet but i'd expect they The i know they have videos up for both of them so i'd expect they would Give a full breakdown yeah like
1: if it was for my kid and i wasn't sure i'd be investigating the crap out of it before i bought it just to make sure i was i was getting the right thing right uh, and what the better better option was but at the same time a disc a disc free console and you know you're thinking you're gonna have to buy additional stuff and like load things on there like I, I don't know how many parents are just, do, do they look at that when they're buying it for their kid and think I can't be asked for this the hard drive is not particularly great on the S um, I think the hard is the hard drive on the PS5 is is a 800 gig um, which is d- decent although not amazing considering i swapped out my Look, not Everyone wants driver.
0: to play Warzone, alright. There's a ch- there's a chance for all of us to just avoid Warzone. I'll be honest with you.
1: A lot of people <laughs> want to play Warzone, man. Um and you know, like as as we know from like COD the new Black Ops, they're they're doing previews and stuff this weekend, which we we'll talk about a little bit later, maybe. Um so I, I don't know if that affects it. Uh yeah. I don't know if, if it's one of those Christmases where People don't really want to spend big, um, and there is a bit of a hesitation. You know, speaking of somebody that worked in retail, around that, you know, any time that there is like a slight downturn in the economy, like you do really see the effect of it. Especially when you work in an industry that's not like a, you know, foods or something like that. Um, so any kind of more frivolous purchases or whatever definitely do see a drop off. I couldn't tell you, but yeah, I I think in theory, the S is a good deal... If you just want an entryway into the next generation, uh, Game Pass, I mean, I know that you are officially sponsored by Game Pass and you will sing the praises of of their Game Pass uh, and how cool that is. So I think if you combine that with Game Pass and realise that the only game that you're going to have on there is probably going to be the new Call of Duty because it will have like a 300 gigabit install or something, uh, then I think people probably can get down with that. And you know what? There's a modding community out there. There'll probably be a way to change that hard drive. There'll be a YouTube explainer video for that within 10 minutes for people that want to do that or go down that route. So I I like it in, in theory. But it's just to me, the big difference is like what are the Xbox launch titles that excite you? There kind of isn't any.
0: Well, this is one thing, yes, in Uh, terms of the the Xbox uh, launch. Although, to be honest, the the launch titles are both... Consoles uh, are not exactly doing much for me. See
1: no, because I think the PS5 stuff is better. Now, admittedly, marginally better. So, anyone that's a big fan of the Souls games, um, aka anybody that is a little bit of a masochist, <laughs> is definitely going to want to be on board with the PS5, and they're going to be want to play in some Demon Souls. Which, you know, if you're into that game, the trailer looked fucking cool, right? So, I think that that's something that might tempt you spider-man did ridiculously well for sony and as a sony exclusive spider-man miles morales looks pretty damn cool as well um so i do think like on on the t- like strength of those two that might but, tip someone's decision
0: but, here's the issue uh and this is kind of my next point that i want to bring up um they're not PS5 exclusives, while well, Demon's Souls I think is a PS5 exclusive, but Spider-Man is not a PS5 exclusive. It will be launched on PS4 as well, uh, which they decided to exclude from the announcement trailer uh, but Jeff Keely tweeted, like, moments after. For fuck's uh, sake, some... why is Jeff Keely tweeting all this information out as I well, by the way? I have no fucking clue. How long was that, that I...
1: thing? It was like an hour, the PS5, um, which we'll kind of, I guess, seg into talking about now, right? But... Now,
0: now, in fairness, like, the logistics of putting something like this together when you're working from remote, I would imagine, there's always something that's going to be left out. You know, these things can be looked over um, or, or just not realized at the time because of just i guess just the logistics of how these things are put together currently um but that is still very very poor that that information was not there during the official announcement and i don't know how much of an impact that's going to have in the grand scheme of things because like for me my i do want to get ps5 and i want to get it solely on the basis of the new ratchet and clank game which is a ps5 exclusive but it's not there on launch i think it's like a week or two after but like on day one there's nothing there for me. I'm I'm not a Demon Souls person at all. But, you know, if I want to play Spider-Man Miles Morales, I already have a way to play it on my PS4. I'm sure there are those people out there that want to play on the PS5, want to have, you know, the the additional specs that come with the PS5 and how pretty it will look, sure, whatever. But I can play it on day 1 without needing a PS5. With the 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 Xbox, I mean, the Game Pass, Game Pass is massive and I, I can't remember the exact specifics on which games are going to be up which games are going to be upgraded, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure there are a few of them. I'm sure like Gears of War and that sort of stuff which are on Game Pass will get the benefits of that. Uh, and purely on the basis now... I guess one of the things we can talk about, with the, they announced, was Sony had their equivalent of the Game Pass, um, which has a ton of of PS4 games, like your uh, Uncharted and, uh, Jesus, what else was on God there? of War. God of War, uh, Last of Us, you know, obviously some of the most acclaimed games of the, the last generation, and that is a very good uh, thing to have, and that's... You know, something but a lot of people have been saying, you know, Sony, you're gonna have to have an equivalent of that. So that's great that they all have that from day one. And I I don't know if that is the deal breaker that might sway some people from the Xbox to getting the the, the PS5. But you know, it's it's good that it's there. Um but for me, like looking at it. Like outside in, I mean. Now, part of it is I've ordered the Quest Two, and I'm getting a VR set, so you know I have that to keep me going for the next couple of months. And I'll have Beat Saber, so I don't need anything else. Are you gonna but play Half Life, from... Alex? Kay. No, I'm not, because I can just about fucking get through Half Life Two in a panic attack. I bet somebody
1: I a... needs to play that uh, for for the sake of Game of the Year.
0: I have watched someone play through all of that for the sake of Game of the Year, so I've you know. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I know it's not exactly the same but I have done that already No
1: I do um, that most years with games I just don't get to I'll, I'll go on YouTube yeah. and watch a few hours and get a feel of it
0: Yeah uh, so I guess let's let's talk, talk through every game that they announced um, because that was part of the, the announcement on top of the price and the release date and I guess the other thing as well in the release date is that it's coming out in a bunch of countries like the US um, but will come out a week later in the UK which again is probably a logistics thing it sucks, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it probably can't be helped. So uh, I don't think there's anything to really complain about there. Yeah. I'm sure there will be some people that will. And
1: instead of at the end it saying pre-orders available from tomorrow, they just didn't mention that. And they also left Jeff Keighley to say that on Twitter. Yeah. And, so and then some retailers well... were like, no, fuck it. We're putting our pre-orders up
0: now. Yes. That whole thing. I mean, Twitter, like over the last two days, has been a fucking shambles. Uh, in terms of like, oh, uh, Amazon have announced that pre-orders are up now, and now Argus have announced pre-orders are up now, and then the thing sold out in like two minutes. And I'm sure all of these places have oversold, and there's going to be a whole bunch of cancellations. Uh, I expect that there's that that whole thing is just a mess, uh, and Sony didn't plan that one very well as well. So some parts of the communication of the trailer of the announcement uh, were not great. In terms of games that have been announced, though, we have, uh, I'm not going to go through in any specific order, but we've got Final Fantasy XVI. Jack, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I mean, there was no sort of date, and we've seen the way Square are with Final Fantasy games, that this could come out in like 2024. So Uh, it's, it's difficult to get super hyped about it, but I think it looked cool. We had a return to the sort of medieval aesthetic, which they've sort of dodged in the last few Final Fantasies. Maybe 12 was the last time we saw like a genuine kind of like castles and armory type Final Fantasy game. Um, so that's pretty interesting to see um, what that will look like in excellent quality in a new generation. And yeah, I thought the trailer was, was good. It gave us a bit of combat as well, which I thought the combat looked kind of similar to the... FF7 uh, remake, Final Fantasy fifteen style of combat. So they, they haven't really changed much up there. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's exciting, you know, Final Fantasy sixteen, Like anytime there's a numbered Final Fantasy game, uh, you know I'm in the bag for it.
0: We had a teaser trailer announcement that didn't give us anything uh, at all about when, where, what it will be, uh, or any gameplay footage. But we had God of War 2 Ragnarok uh, announced which I don't think comes as a surprise. I think we all knew that there was going to be another God of War, God of War game at some point. And uh, yeah, there's there's not a lot that we know um, other than it apparently should be sometime in 2021, uh, which means that hopefully at some point we should get some gameplay footage. Uh, I'd like to think you know within the next one or two PlayStation State of Play uh, uh, events that they do. So, yeah, not really much to say about that. But, hey, we got a God of War 2 game coming. So, And I think that would probably help shift some more PlayStation units next year. Um, yeah, you would I think, think that so. W-
1: that of Boy 2. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if, like, the, if Boy has grown up a little bit and is, is featured prominently as, like, you know, teen. <laughs> and instead of shouting Boy, he's just shouting teen. <laughs> and a sort of, like, you know... Uh, overly grown fringe. Like, he's always flicking out of his eyes. It's like, oh, come on, Dad, start swinging your axe around. Like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Some sort of, like, situation like that or what happens. But, yeah, Ragnarok is a super cool angle to go down. Like, obviously... In Norse mythology, Ragnarok is the end of the world. It's like the final reckoning. Uh, so that'll be very interesting to see like what they do with that after after the previous game uh, and the realms. So yes, uh, very excited for any God of War related content uh, after that fucking smash hit from a couple of years ago.
0: We had Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales, uh, gameplay for the PS5, uh, and as you would expect, this looks very nice, because the original Spider-Man game looked very nice, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, Spider-Man was our game of 2018, I think? Yep. 20 yeah. So I still can't believe A out won last year. I still got a smile on my face from that. <laughs> Look, one of these years, I my game was going to win, and god it, it was last year. I oh, dude, I was, um, I could, I mean,
1: me and you were the higher men on on A winning. So yeah,
0: but um, yeah, I we we here at Link to the Cast uh, are fans of Spider Man, and I expect that more of that is going to be good.
1: Look cool. We um, so ha- we saw a bit of tinkerer is one of the the bad guys in it and um you know they've they've given him a very much a 21st century upgrade you know where all of his guys have like this weird sort of neon glowing tech rather than like the old school tinkerer coming up with stuff in labs and just generally looking a bit creepy uh and a bit cringy so that that's interesting and yeah it'd be very interesting to see like what uh, direction they go with with who the, the main villain of this game is how much we get a tie back into the previous game and if we get any sort of crossover with Peter Parker as you know there was a little crossover with Miles in uh, the original Spider-Man game so yeah I'm interested to see what they do with this Spider-Man and uh, yeah I, I, I'm here for it and that will be me on launch day I'd imagine that'll be the first thing I do on my PS5
0: we had harry potter hogwarts legacy announced and i know that this, this had been in the work for a while i can't remember what um, <laughs> announcements we had previously but
1: it's harry potter hogwarts legacy in brackets underneath but very bold this game has nothing to do with jk rowling
0: <laughs> yeah that's been doing the rounds today on twitter and oh, jesus christ this fucking thing like i get it um you know J.K. Rowling has not exactly enamored herself with anyone who gives a fuck about, you know, people of all sexes, colors, creeds, or everything else being treated fairly and equally. Um, you know, she's she's really out of herself as a big old turf at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. Like, if you are someone who is v- just, like, in any way just not wanting her to be... Uh, financed or, or given royalties for any of her like content, sure, I can see why you would be fucked off with anyone that wants to buy this game. But the fact is, is there are a lot of people out there who don't give a shit about any of that. There probably are a lot of people out there that don't know. aren't on Twitter and don't actually know any of this stuff yeah. from J.K. Rowling. So, you know, like, there are the people that just want, want to get into this game and get into this world and, and just get lost in that Harry Potter universe. And... I'm not going to say to them or make them feel bad that they want to do that. Like, just, sorry, I'm not going to be the person to do that. No. Um, But but I completely respect those that are like, you know, I will have nothing to do with this because of, like, you know, my stance against J.K. Rowling. I completely get that. But, I don't know, this trailer looked pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, a Harry Potter RPG, if you told me that when I was, like, 13 and shit i would have been so hyped because the uh, harry potter video games that we got like the, uh, the they're terrible the movies were just shocking
0: <laughs> fucking terrible yeah um but oh, they were uh, ea published games if i recall oh
1: yeah they sucked i remember I, can't, yeah. I think it was like the third or the fourth one maybe fifth one but what whichever one was on wii because i used to work in a library and uh, the library i worked in had a wii which was super cool uh, and I remember watching one of the kids trying to do this like broomstick bit of this this Wii game because like obviously had to sort of have one member of staff in the Wii room to make sure the kids didn't uh, try and smash each other to bits with the Wiimotes. Um and just watching this kid just over and over again trying to do this this broomstick thing and just failing miserably and the game just looking like a broken, horrible experience made me never want to play any Harry Potter games ever, uh, even before J.K. Rowling revealed her unfortunate true colours. Um, but yeah, this looked pretty interesting. It looked pretty cool. I just... My one hope with this game, if I ever do happen to play it, which I'm not really sure that I will, but if I do, I just hope it isn't riddled with microtransactions. Because there have been a lot of Harry Potter um, mobile games in the last year, which has just been, it's like a bloody nose. Like every time you open it, it's like, you need more of this energy or this thing, or, you know, to go to Hogsmeade, we, we need you to have blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, like it just, it, It's a a shambles, Mark. It's what it is. So yeah, Yeah. Harry Potter RPG. It's not like Harry Potter, though, is it? It's set in the Hogwarts universe. They made it very clear that this was like the 1800s. um, And again, wizarding stuff is kind of timeless. So that works. Um, So there's no like mainstay characters in it. Like this is the castle before Dumbledore was a, a... professor even uh, let alone headmaster
0: so we're not really which i think is the right i think is the right way to go it is yeah
1: it's the it's it's the video game equivalent of the mandalorian right um you see familiar things but you don't necessarily see familiar faces and characters
0: yeah i mean you can explore hogwarts and and take in that world that you know without having to rely on the trappings of you know the harry potter section of that universe Uh, and i think that leads to more exploration with that universe and and more freedom in terms of an RPG. So yeah. that was definitely the right uh, way to go. And I
1: definitely hear there is not a section where you do an Avada cadavera curse as a man dressed as a woman on somebody. That definitely doesn't happen. J.K. Rowling definitely didn't write this game in brackets, bold, underneath
0: Moving swiftly on, we had a Resident Evil Village trailer and Jack, I can confirm with you as I confirmed at the time I will not be playing this game, so I'm going to rely on Dave Ryan to give his faults when this game comes oh out. Oh god, this looks terrifying.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, this looks so scary. This to me like the premise of this and like the village and the castle and that weird aesthetic that they have on it just oh, it just made me it's so unnerving it really is I,
0: I i do feel they've definitely went back to to resident evil 4 and just like pulled everything from the atmosphere of that game uh, and converted it into you know a 2020 resident evil game which i'm all for going to say convert 4,
1: it into liquid cash because that's what this game well, is going to make
0: that as well but you know resident evil resident evil is hitting a high that I mean that series as a whole is just fascinating about the highs and lows that it's gone through. The comeback—it's it, on a high at the moment.
1: Dude, the comeback of Resident Evil as a franchise. After like Zero and stuff, I was like, I never need to see, hear about, or even think about any kind of Resident Evil property ever again, right? And then Six comes out, and you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. But Seven was—you would really think you would really think after Six
0: that that was like the death knell. Yeah, like, you know? but cause Six because Six wasn't even bad, silent. it was just but... average. But but it's like Silent Hill has never recovered after. I mean, you want to say after four, I guess. Yeah, but the publishers. And and obviously, PT, if that had ever become a thing, would I think would have changed the tune of Silent Hill significantly. But you know, we will never know how that would have gone, uh, gone down uh, in the grand scheme of things. Now, yeah, the the, the
1: publishers also, Mark. They 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 don't. I know. I know. They they
0: don't tend to care that much about their their, their properties. It's it's why we have it, it, a, a particular it, it, you know category.
1: I mean, if uh, you, I've heard that the Silent Hill Pachinko machine is very good this year. <laughs> um, so yeah. Tell me more about Metal Gear Survivor. <laughs> oh Christ! I try to raise that ever happening from my memory. Uh, oh,
0: I'm here to tell you that that fucking thing happened. It's
1: a Metal Gear asset flip, Mark. Uh, anyway, yes. I digress. Uh, Resident Evil 7, very good game. Resident Evil 2 Remake, fantastic. Resident Evil 3 Remake, also very good. So, like, they're setting themselves some some high highs. And, yeah, this looks like kind of more of the same, uh, yeah, I'd just scare the pants off you kind of looking game. I
0: do, I, I do think with the the way that the series has gone, this is the game that needs to be terrible just to, like, you know, balance out the Resident Evil universe. So this one should be the one that's really bad, but... Oh, do you really think resident scary. evil's got like a
1: ying and the yang well there's like a good, i think so a good game a bad game or whatever uh yeah the second you heard chris in the trailer you were like oh this is the new resident evil village
0: <laughs> yeah no because the way it works is eight will be terrible and then that means we'll get a resident evil 4 remaster for like the fucking 90th time and then that will bring us back full circle again uh we have we had a call of duty black ops cold war gameplay trailer and there's a free alpha this weekend i Don't care, but for those that are in that want to know about that, yeah, knock yourselves are silly. I guess I I
1: stopped playing Call of Duty for for my mental health. Really, Uh, I was playing way too much of it and getting way too irritated at it. Um, which is why when I played Four Guys, I think I enjoyed it so much. (laughs) I was like a battle royale game where I speaking of speaking of yin and yang. Yeah, I don't care about what happens here, and I'm a little bean guy, and this is fun. Uh, Call of Duty will sell a bazillion copies, and no one will care about the fucking campaign that they showed like oh yeah we're we're, you know we're we're hyping up this you know it's set in this cold war blah 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 era in 80s i'm like yeah that sounds interesting uh maybe two percent of the people that get this game will play that and everyone else will just have head over to whatever the uh war zone equivalent is in in cod black ops 4 i'm sure straight away
0: we had, uh, I think, was the first gameplay footage for the Demon's Souls remake, which is still the worst named game I've seen since Metal Gear Revengeance. And uh, this, <laughs> hey, thing... like, I listen. Now I will let you swipe at, me- at, at Metal
1: Gear Survival, but or survive. What the fuck that was called, but. Revengeance was pretty cool man like it was an on rails hack and slash thing about I wasn't and talking about, fun
0: wasn't talking about the, anything to do with the game I was just saying the name is dumb I, I'm saying I'm
1: saying that you basically equivalent that you know Hideo Kojima sucks and you hate everything about him and no and you I hate snake like, and you
0: I quite like Revengeance <laughs> right? It's a good game It's the most yeah. Mark Robinson Mel Gear solid game right Exactly it's a platinum game all right I'm going to like it Anyway, but you get revenge,
1: um, yeah, and vengeance, and you get vengeance at yes, the same time. And yes, you know, yes, like yes, that- I get
0: it. I get what they're going for. <laughs> right.
1: I get. It. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm honestly just shanking your shame. It is a shocking, shocking name.
0: <laughs> so we had footage of demons, souls, and yeah. I mean, it looks like a Dark Souls game. It is very weighty and heavy, and it's. Anna, I've never had any interest in this series, but, I mean, for those that are looking forward to it, hey, it's a launch day title, so that is for them. I'm very happy for you. Awesome. Sean McGee, very happy for you. Enjoy. I don't care. <laughs> I, I think this looks good. Um, if there's, like, nothing else around, really,
1: um, but there will be because I think Cyberpunk might be out by that point, uh, then I'm, I am, might play this game, potentially. Um, I've never really... I've never really made it all the way through a Dark Souls game. Um, So I kind of feel like that's something I need to tick off my list in life. Uh, I just sort of owe it to myself at some point. But then, yeah, I I, I might feel that same sort of cuphead level frustration uh, that would rise up through me when I played it. But I don't know. But this looks
0: incredible, man. It looks so good. It does look incredible. I, I will not dispute that. Uh, also looking incredible, Arkane's next game, Deathloop, which was one of my most anticipated games coming out of the uh, the inaugural announcement and trailer um, over the <laughs> not E3 uh, week. Yeah, this looks really cool. I'm still really looking forward to this. I uh, I, I want to get in on some Deathloop. It looks a little bit Hitman-y, don't you think? It has a little bit of the hitman's about it
1: yeah yeah uh so yeah like hitman and sort of weird like prince of persia almost vibes of being able to constantly rewind and do things back and forward i like the idea of that mark uh that is very appealing to me so yeah deathloop I think even from an aesthetic point of view, when I initially saw it, I kind of enjoyed the way it looked and the the feel to it. And it had almost that sort of Tarantino-esque vibe with like the way that it was being stylized. And yeah, this this looks pretty cool um, now that we've had a bit more. And yeah, definitely want to get involved as soon as possible.
0: Uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, we had a foot for some more footage for that. I, I've never been an Oddworld person, but this looks pretty cool. I don't think it's something that I'll jump into, but I mean, if the reviews turn out that it's it's actually very good, maybe it's something I'll jump into. But yeah, I mean, the, this it had some cinematics, it had some gameplay, and it uh, looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I've also
0: similarly never
1: been an Oddworld guy. I think for the PS1, uh, somebody lent me one of the Oddworld games, and I uh, I got through like the first couple of levels. And then just got very frustrated with it and like couldn't get past a certain point. And that was kind of my journey with Oddworld over. But uh, I think I was watching the giant bomb stream and one of them pointed out that it's pretty cool to have like a next generation PlayStation launch in 2020 with an Oddworld game. Like it's a nice little nod to the the past of Sony, I think.
0: I would have taken a Wipeout game, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, we had Five Night of Freddy's Security Breach. Apparently, they're still making these games. That's all I have to say on that. There's a special edition of Devil May Cry 5. Thankfully, Dave is not here, so he can't rebuke when I say that Devil May Cry 5 is not actually that good. Um, but, hey, you know, PS5 version, so it'll have 4K and all that kind of good jazz. Uh, and I'm sure uh, it includes Danny's brought us a Virgil was in it. And also it has a turbo mode that lets you play in 1.2 times the usual speed. That could be pretty cool. <laughs> that
1: sounds mental, because Devil May Cry is a bit sort of
0: hailstorm of slashing anyway. Yes, it is. Uh, we've got the, P- the more about the, the PS5 version of Fortnite. Uh, I guess that's going to be there on... Uh, launch day so yeah cool i think it's essential and... that that's there
1: on launch day
0: because yeah i, right. I
1: think like a lot of kids that get the at christmas will just switch that over to be their Fortnite machine straight away
0: do you know what's surprising if i recall there was nothing about gta 5
1: no is it not part of the um sony uh new playstation
0: uh game
1: pass equivalent
0: i don't recall i don't think so because it's because gta 5 is not a, a sony exclusive and i think if you look at the playstation plus like the the thing that they have i'm pretty sure they're all either first party or you know like naughty dog or whatever mm. i think that's the case so no i don't think i i can't 100 remember but i don't think it's part of that but i am surprised that we saw nothing about it because when they had the the initial like ps5 announcement and everything i think the first thing we fucking saw was gta 5 so uh i am surprised that we didn't see anything about that or gta online um so yeah i can't i can't actually remember what the deal with that is but hey that is the ps5 in a nutshell it is out on what is it november 19th 11th 19th right um so yeah i mean for anyone who's still trying to make up their mind you've got at least a little bit more time or you can be like me and get the oculus quest 2 so come play some uh come play some beat saber with me play half-life two
1: Alex, and then come on this I'm, show and talk about
0: it <laughs> i'm yeah someone else do that because i'm not going to do it uh final fantasy 16's exclusivity is a mess so we were just talking about final fantasy 16 there but again with everything about sony and their announcements not exactly being perfect They announced, so the game was shown running on PC during Sony's PS5 showcase, and its trailer trailer concluded with the title card PlayStation console exclusive also available on PC. Uh, No mention was made of timed console exclusivity or whether PC might launch at a different time. But uh, this is from you, Gamer. Shortly after the presentation, trusted industry analyst Piers Harding Rolls, which is a fantastic name, stated on Twitter that he had been told by Sony the game was six months for exclusive and twelve months console exclusive, suggesting it would arrive on PC half a year after the PS5 and be free to launch elsewhere after a full year. Uh, those are the terms of the deal. Harding Rolls continued that whether Final Fantasy 16 does indeed arrive exactly on the time frame time frame for PC and elsewhere, let's just say to it on Xbox Series X, still re- remains dependent on Square Enix's development team having it ready to go. So uh, Square Enix, the publisher, they haven't actually provided any kind of details on the exclusivity, but uh, basically, yeah, this is all a bit of a mess really. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. that It's it's just one of those things where again, um, they'll probably just want to get the, the details out. But just because of the way things are at the moment, it's just you know everything's in chaos. And I, I'm still curious to know if Sony like planned to have their announcement when they did, or Microsoft finally played their hand by having their announcement, which forced Sony to push their announcement forward. I don't know. Maybe a couple of weeks. It's it's hard to tell. Um, but this is just one of a few announcements that was not exactly, you know, 100% in its details.
1: Yeah, I, the whole thing kind of smacked at that. Obviously, the stuff that we've already mentioned where you've got people like Piers Harding Rolls, which you're right, is a great name, uh, and Keely on Twitter just announcing information that Sony sort of left out uh, and, and kind of left people a little bit confused with with the way that they've messaged it so far. Um, but I guess it doesn't... I, I guess the, the key factor is how if you're a Final Fantasy fan and you know when this game's going to come out, how badly do you want to play it? Do you want to play it enough that you want to buy a next-gen console um, that specifically plays it? Or if you prefer... Xbox, or you have an Xbox already? Are you happy to sort of wait out the year, or do you go Marks route and buy a really nice sort of custom gaming PC uh, and and play it on that six months after it comes out? I I don't know like what the metrics is uh, would be in terms of how influential that is on sales, but Final Fantasy is a very very big brand name, so it would have been nice for them to just say Final Fantasy sixteen, and then underneath. Sony console exclusive for one year. And that just seems like a very simple way of messaging it to me.
0: I don't remember. Was fifteen uh, a PS4 exclusive, like, a timed exclusive? I don't think so. I don't think it I was. Feel like, I, feel, I feel like it was a console exclusive. I don't remember it coming out of PC at the same time. No,
1: it didn't come out like... on PC
0: um, at that time, though. But Because I'm trying to think since what was the f- was it ps was it, uh, sorry was it final fantasy 13 that was the first one that was cross platform
1: yeah final fantasy 13 yeah final fantasy 12 was uh one of the last games on the ps2
0: so basically what we're saying is that the final fantasy series has been bad since they went cross platform is is that it <laughs> uh, uh i
1: don't know do i want to struggle to defend that point and ultimately <laughs> fail
0: I, I am somewhat yanking your chain, but also at the same time not.
1: Yeah, Final Fantasy XV was a bit of an empty experience, and Final Fantasy XIII is some some convoluted air
0: shit, really. Um, so I can't really defend that. So for my final story, uh, so we had all the announcements about the the new NVIDIA graphics cards uh, and the RTX 3080 um, which is a very, very powerful graphics card from some of the stuff I'd been watching uh, about on on Digital Foundry. Um, Worth checking out if you have a PC and whatever else. Uh, And some mad, mad people are currently bidding uh, over $80,000 for one on eBay right now. Um, So this was from Rock Paper Shotgun. The, the RTX 3080 went on sale at 2pm. Uh, this was yesterday, I think. And by all accounts, it sold out pretty much instantly. Uh, and unsurprisingly, scalpers have already taken to eBay to try and get as much money as they possibly can from NVIDIA's hot new graphics card. Uh, and some crazy, crazy people are paying all, already uh, up to 80000 uh, bidding on eBay. What? Uh, w- Yeah, I mean, we knew that the RTX 38 was going to be in short supply until the end of the year, but this is just yeah crazy. Um, The eBay listing at this time, this was as the article went up, has 105 bids on it with 200 people watching. Uh, No doubt mostly for the entertainment value of watching some poor bastards spend their entire life savings on a graphics card. But still, what absolute scenes. Um, Yeah, and I haven't checked, actually. I'm going to click on it now and see what the bidding is. Absolutely. I'm I'm interested here. Hyped live. Let me let me see what we at. Uh oh no, it's missing. It's gone. I don't know if that means it's sold or if eBay took it down, but it's not there anymore. Yeah, it quite possibly uh, was taken down. Um, yeah, I guess let's see. Oh no, we've got we've got one here that's up for only a thousand dollars. Um, but there's no bids on it currently. So and the oh this has been sold in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. How about that?
1: Wow. I uh, yeah, I've uh, never
0: heard of Broken Arrow, oh, Oklahoma, Tuscaloosa, Oklahoma, um, and there's one up here as oh, well. No, that's Alabama, I, Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's one here that sold actually for seven thousand so, dollars. Jesus, um, which is still a hunk of change, but not quite eighty thousand dollars. What's the market so, price on these? I think they're about six seven hundred quid. Uh, it's just insane, then, isn't it? Just but it's just because they're not going to be available um, till like next year. You know, it's just wait. I, uh, Wow! Look, I, <laughs> some people can't wait that's the thing jack yeah fair enough but still damn yeah so yeah the the regular price is $700 so someone has um <laughs> paid a lot more than that uh 7000 out of out so, of interest yeah. can you just look up ps5s cuz
1: I feel like because of the way the pre-order process went with that, I I get the feeling that people might be scalping PS5s on on eBay at the moment as well.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the interesting thing with that is how does it work? Because it's like you're not actually, like, selling the PS5. You're selling the pre-order for the PS5, which is – that seems like some shady shit. Um, Yeah, Sony PlayStation 5 console disc version, brand new ships, mid-Dovember November. Uh, we've got a thousand dollars. We've got twelve hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, Sounds like the police are PS4. closing in on that in the background. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, PS5 disc edition pre-order console order confirmed. Two thousand dollars and twenty-five with five bids. This this is i mean like what do they think Are these people think that there's not going to be any ps5s available for like six months afterwards or something
1: yeah it's it's an odd one i guess if you just don't care um and you just want a ps5 and that seems like the best way of getting it you're just going to do that anyway so if you bid on an account or a ps5 for an account that has a lot of good feedback you probably know that it will get its way to you so i
0: suppose Yeah, but i don't want to spend like fucking five grand on a ps2 oh, sorry a ps5 it's just not gonna happen yeah
1: but to quote donald glover this is america right so
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just gonna be strong argument I, I i can't i can't come back with anything against that it's a good yeah point.
1: exactly and and someone in america has enough money to really give a shit about getting a ps5 and they'll just pay whatever for it they have enough disposable money that they're like oh, i'll just bid on the ebay one and i'll get that when it comes out
0: well, if you want to get up there onto eBay, there's still some available. Um, <laughs> so just keep opinion. asking you to eBay
1: things for the rest of the show. That could be like the last segment. I'm like, how much can you get an N64 for
0: these days? No, because I'm pretty sure you could get one for about 20, 30 quid if you looked in the right places or went to one of those retro game shops. Uh, no, we are going to end the show there. Uh, like, listen, share and subscribe uh, we appreciate any of the love from you fine people, uh, we are available on most podcast platforms, you can just search for Link to the Cast, we're on iTunes, Spotify SoundCloud, Stitcher sometimes on YouTube when I upload videos but it's been a while um, if you want to contact us, we have our mailbag or if you just want to say hi, or if you just want to keep up to date with any content that we uh, create, please check us over at The WordPress, at Link to the Cast or on Facebook, at Link to the Cast we are on Twitter, at Link to the Cast uh, myself, I am Mark Robinson X two on Twitter. That is Jack Lazell, When the boy is here, he is at the Dave today. Uh, the da- the day today Sorry, the day to Dave. My apologies. Yep. Uh, and I know sometimes he's up on Twitch as well. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast as well. Uh, make sure as well to stay subscribed for this feed for our occasional non-gaming shows, uh, which includes the Grap Up, which uh, at the time of this recording, um, I would have uh, uploaded. The, our latest wrap up which would be now about two days later, uh, I did a preview show of the G1 with friend of the show, Brian Rose. So we uh, had a quick look at New Japan post the COVID break, and then we went through and previewed all 20 participants of this year's G1 to talk about who we think has a chance and who doesn't have a chance. Cough, cough. You so so
1: like 19 hacking. guys and a guy with no Twitter account um, who no one yeah, knows, right?
0: something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving swiftly on. Uh, so yeah, I am Mark Robinson. That boy over there is Jack Lazell. J J J Jave Jive Jave J- Soul Jack. That's what you are. <laughs> I'll take it. Um yeah, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Love it. Best end to the show ever, boy.